I was yanking on the weeds, threatening to choke our harvest, when I saw the silhouette of a man walking directly toward me. He smiled in recognition. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you, he said. What? What did he say? The stranger greeted me like a queen, but I was a lowly servant, a teenager from Nazareth, engaged to a carpenter named Joseph. There was nothing exalted about my status. I wondered what this stranger's greeting could possibly mean. My confusion turned to fear. Had he been watching me? Conquered women filled my people's history, and my elders whispered about the rapes. Before my anxiety could escalate, he said, Don't be afraid, Mary. His face was ancient, knowing, and kind. My breath steadied. With Gabriel's greeting, God asked me to move into a blessed life, but it would never be a safe life. I needed that swig of courage, though. Don't be afraid. Even though I was poor and hadn't accomplished much in my life, this man Gabriel had said to me, you have found favor with God. And I began to breathe in the stunning news that God had chosen me. The sun beat down relentlessly as I took in his information. Gabriel told me that I would conceive a son, and I felt faint. He said, the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. I imagined a refreshing shadow in the midst of this scorched land. Even when the world grew chaotic and dangerous, I would revisit this moment and know again the comfort of that refreshing shade. I couldn't quite grasp the amazing and terrifying news. What would it mean for me and Joseph? Would Joseph still marry me? What would I tell him? I'm pregnant. The baby isn't yours, but don't worry. A strange man told me that God is the father. The messenger was waiting for my answer. I could keep my predictable life, or I could allow God to unearth everything. I looked up at his ancient eyes and nodded. I echoed Abraham, Moses, Samuel, and Isaiah. Here am I. With those words, I presented my body to a life both of deep sorrow and soaring abundance. A sudden joy sparked in me. With each syllable, I gave birth to God, as I allowed God to give birth to all of us. With those words, I became the mother of God both liberated and liberator. A few days later, while walking to the market, the heat hit me and a wave of nausea flooded me. No one whispered that this was only the beginning or that the misery would grow faint in the brilliance of the joy to come. All by myself, I bore the weight of the world Yet I could tell no one, not even Joseph. Like the prophets before me, I sat in a cave with that pang of despair, the stab of knowing a tiny bit of the mind of God and the impossibility of anyone understanding it. 
From across the market, I could smell a fish that had gone bad. I had never noticed so many foul odors. Is this normal? Why do my breasts feel so tender? What should I eat to settle my stomach? Should I be sleeping so much? I had no idea what was happening with my body, and I felt as if I were traveling alone on a twisting road without map or directions. Normally, I would ask the mothers in the village, but this time I couldn't. Keeping my pregnancy a secret blocked me from that whole pool of women's wisdom. Gabriel had relayed about my cousin Elizabeth being pregnant too. I felt drawn to Elizabeth as if my pregnancy was somehow connected with hers. I had to meet with her, with someone who could guide me. I needed the wisdom of a sister, so I went. When I entered into Elizabeth's home, breathed in the smell of incense and pomegranates, and greeted her, she called me the mother of her Lord. I laughed, empowered by the greeting that toppled the empire that tyrannized us. Caesar was not our Lord. I held the true Lord in my womb. We embraced one another. And then, when I felt Elizabeth's child leap in her belly, I nearly collapsed with the joy of truly being seen. I thought, it's all true. In the presence of so much impossibility, I let my own miraculous story unfurl, and I told Elizabeth that my child would be the son of God. In the distance, a flock of birds erupted out of the tree. As they soared through the air, I understood their burst of song because the same excitement was flowing through us. God had placed us at this moment and at this time to share inexplicable joy. Having that baby growing within me, making my womb flutter, was a miracle in itself. I had been given so much more than I could ever imagine, more than I could contain. God had so much more in store for me. Now my very skin had to stretch to hold this blessing. I meditated on what Gabriel had told me. I was bearing God. The child growing inside me was wisdom and abundance. He would change the way we thought. He would overturn the principalities and powers. I breathed in and felt my mind stretching along with my belly. Growing up, for women like me, expectations were things that you lost. You had no name. People did not see you. But no one had ever looked at me in the way that Gabriel and Elizabeth had, as if I were the most precious thing on the earth. Elizabeth recognized something sacred in me. In those months, I learned to see myself through Elizabeth's eyes. Elizabeth told me that the fruit of my womb was blessed. I savored Elizabeth's words and imagined the sweet and precious child swelling inside me. How could God be so vulnerable? We seem to be entwined in our blessings. My senses sharpened. A brighter color painted my days as I saw things differently. Food smelled richer. Delight overwhelmed me as well. My heart felt heavy and swollen with gratitude. There was a certain abundance that I couldn't explain, 
Simple wonders overwhelmed me. My belly was full of goodness. Another generation was growing inside of me. I belonged, in some sense, to that child. And the strange thing was, this did not diminish me. I had imagined that it would. I had thought that loving a child so much would make me ebb in some sense. But it hadn't. Love did not deplete me, it replenished me. I was blessed to love and be loved. I felt awash with a powerful sense of being blessed. I had not even yet given birth to him, and yet he had already given me an abundant life. Those to come would call me blessed. They would look back on my days and see them as sacred. The messenger Gabriel had said it. Elizabeth had said it. And now I was beginning to know it in my bones. In the hill country, we were much closer to Jerusalem. And so when Elizabeth and I went to the market, there were more soldiers there. And I stared as a soldier beat a man. That man couldn't breathe, and my heart pounded with the injustice of it. There are so many ways that my people are oppressed, so many ways that our bodies are forced down, from small indignities to large injustices. I carried my child for that man's liberation. God would bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. There would be a new kingdom. Growing up at the mercy of droughts and famines, I used to ignore my appetite. For when the harsh sun bore down on young plants and ruined a crop, I understood what would follow. It was that hunger that also made me resent the Romans, whose banquet tables overflowed. They bore down upon us, feasting off our aching backs and our severe labors. And yet, as my son kicked in my womb, I knew that liberation would soon be at hand. One day, these brutal men would go away empty, and we would feel the satisfaction of fullness. And so, Elizabeth gave birth to John. When her water broke, the midwives came. They prayed and sang as Elizabeth sweated and struggled. They gave her fresh water, constantly moistening her face and fanning her. They held her hand and told her that she was as strong as a cedar. And when they heard the baby's powerful cry, they could not believe their ears for John's voice could fill a wilderness. So I traveled back home. I had heard word from Joseph that he too had been visited by a messenger. He would take me in and was willing to hide me. But with each step home, I knew that it was Elizabeth had given me the strength to return. I had a difficult time not cursing Emperor Augustus as I rode that donkey to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. I was in my ninth month when we had to return for a census count. 
My ankles were swollen to the size of my calves, and my back ached with each step the animal took. It took about four days. I imagined crawling into a soft bed at the end of the journey. I dreamed of stretching out my muscles and sleeping for hours. When we arrived, we had a difficult time finding a place to stay. I was desperate to rest, so Joseph negotiated some space in the barn. He kept apologizing, so I smiled reassuringly, trying to appreciate the fact that we were no longer sleeping on the open road. Just as I began to find some solace among the animals, my water broke. When I felt that trickle down my leg, I cried. This was not what I had imagined. I began to recognize the labor pains. I thought that my stomach was simply cramping from the discomfort of the journey, but the pangs soon took on a certain rhythm and movement. My mother was not around to comfort me. Elizabeth was nowhere in sight. I thought of all the women who died in childbirth and fear crept up my spine. Then I looked at Joseph, who had kept me hidden and safe for all those months. When our eyes met, he saw my anxiety and crouched beside me. He rubbed my back and held me. At first he was silent. Then he reminded me of all the words that Gabriel, Elizabeth, and Zechariah had told me. I digested the syllables, gaining courage from them as a worker gathers strength from bread. When I settled, Joseph scurried around, doing everything in his power to ensure my comfort. He collected lamps and water from the innkeeper. He washed his knife. Then he held my hand and whispered to me as I walked around, hoping that the child would fall into place. When I called out in pain, the animals bleated. When I got near them, they nuzzled me, and I was strangely overwhelmed by their comfort. From even my sweet donkey, who was exhausted from a, such a long journey, seemed to share in the distress and solace. My muscles clinched and shifted my bones into place. I cried out, pushed with a feral force, and Joseph received that crown of dark hair into the world. <laughs> he cut the cord with his knife. Then Joseph washed Jesus amazed at his tiny fingers and toes and comforted his cries even as Joseph's own tears fell. Finally, Joseph handed that tender boy to me and I wrapped his unruly fists in bands of cloth. I coaxed him to my breast. I sang to him, tickling his cheek as Elizabeth had taught me until he latched on and sucked. Then Jesus cooed with contentment as he looked into my eyes. I cried as I told Jesus of Gabriel's visit, Elizabeth's welcome, and John's birth. I spoke of the tender care that Joseph had given me, how he had hidden me. One of Jesus' fists escaped the cloth, and I laughed through my tears as his tiny fingers flexed. As I took in this infant's intense stare, I knew that my orderly life had been upended. That tiny child in his frailty, vulnerability, and disorganized movements, was God. 
I held the hope of the world in my arms and at that moment knew that God blessed the poor, the hungry, and the weeping. With my body, I embraced God's love and tender mercy.